Welcome to the Rick Essential Podcast, a unofficial analysis of Rick and Morty. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad, and I'm ready to, to continue our our journey through the Rick and Morty universe via the Rick and Morty Season 1 series. It's it's a lot of fun. It is. Today we're covering Episode 4, M. Night Shamalians. I think is that... Is that, that how sounds that right to me. And episode five, Me Seeks and Destroy. Once again, not a ton of psychological info, but we're just going to dig in anyways and, and just talk about it. So maybe I'll start with a really quick plot for episode four, M. Night Shyamalan's. Basically, it's a play on M. Night Shyamalan movies where there's kind of twist after twist after twist. And Rick uh, is being held inside of these simulations by these aliens who want to steal his recipe for concentrated dark matter, which is a form of fuel. And as Rick continually attempts to escape, he finds out there's basically multiple virtual reality layers, each on top of the other. And the aliens continue to trick him until he just gives them a fake recipe for his concentrated dark matter, which causes their entire spaceship to explode. Nice yeah. summary. Yeah. Well, I just read it. So <laughs> I can't take a lot of credit. So it... Basically, one thing that I noticed in this issue, or this one issue that I noticed in this episode, uh, Morty, not too good at math. Yeah. It starts off right away with uh, what, what we find out later, simulation Morty, but who we think is real Morty in a simulation. And he's asked by the the teacher, what's five times nine? And uh, he says, um, above 40, I think. Which, that's kind of been a theme, is that Morty's missing school to be on these adventures, and Rick... Uh, basically says it's not really a big deal, uh, although it's not clear that he's being genuine about that, especially when he says because Morty is so intelligent he doesn't need school. There's a lot of evidence that that's probably not the case. But it's certainly a piece of evidence that Morty's actually probably struggling uh, developmentally because he's spending so much time on these adventures rather than being in school, learning multiplication. Because I think... Do you know how old Morty is? I feel like I... It's probably Let's made see, clear. Like, I thought he was like 14 That's or kind 15, of what I thought too, yeah. Sure. And 5 times 9 is... That's... Uh, people at that age range are typically oh, doing yeah. more advanced mathematics, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just teaching in my child psych mythology class about um, things like educational neglect and how mm -hmm. basically having difficulties in, in academic progress can be... A major issue in terms of emotional development healthy mm -hmm. development and things like that and the students were asking really great questions about like where do you draw the line where something's yeah. neglect i think that the line here is pretty clear mm -hmm. i mean morty is both distressed and impaired mm -hmm. by rick's adventures yeah absolutely so that was one of the mm -hmm. first things i noticed uh another thing that i noticed david cross uh guest starring in this episode Kind of a treat, and if I'm not wrong, a reference to his character from Adversive Development? What do you think about that? Tobias Funke, yeah. yes. I, I agree. Um, we have a whole episode on Jedi Council all about Tobias Funke mm -hmm. as an example of what not to do as a mental health professional. Yes. But anyway, yeah, the reference. Yeah. Uh, Dan Harmon wasn't involved in Arrested Development at all, as far as I know. Um, how, I don't know how he knows david cross i guess maybe he doesn't or maybe david cross is just guest starring who knows i don't know the ins and outs of those of those hollywood relationships um but basically uh tobias on arrest development is a never nude which basically just means he wears a a very 
short pair of jean shorts all the time and he's never nude. And I think it was a reference to that in that the alien species from which David Cross's character is uh, also is very averse to nudity, which is a prevalent theme throughout the episode. So. Yeah, and that does, I mean, it seems like a lot of Rick and Morty is making these references. I yeah. mean, even this is specifically a nod to a particular director this whole mm-hmm. episode, and um, we've seen that in the past, too. What's interesting in Arrested Development, too, is that when they're talking about Tobias being a never-nude, um, they, like you said, the showering with basically mm-hmm. jean shorts on and suggestions that that and other factors influence his intimate relationships mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, they, if I recall correctly, even like flash or reference di- directly to the DSM as though it's a real diagnosis, mm-hmm. which of course it's not. And then they have an episode with, um, I think a character played by Zach Braff, who is, I think it's kind of a, it's supposed to, I'm really, I, hopefully this is accurate, but if not, I apologize. Um, it's like, a, he's supposed to be playing the guy who ran like Girls Gone Wild or something, and they find out he's secretly and never knew. Yes, I had forgotten about that, yeah. <laughs> and so they kind of like bond over that, and like, it's, you know, so obviously what we like to do is really stretch anything we can to see if it's related to psychology and mental health. And I guess the closest thing that I would say, I mean, never nude is not a condition in the classification of mental disorders. Nope. Um, the little Jean shorts, that is not a real thing. Fashionable, but not related to, to uh, a mental health diagnosis. No, exactly. And I think that, but I think that the time where we do see that I've actually seen in working with people who have mental health problems with eating disorders, that's probably the closest it gets. Mm-hmm. It's not to the point where they might not want to see themselves in the mirror when they're showering and mm-hmm. or, or something like that, or they might not look at their reflection, and that's a seriously oh, painful yeah. event. But it's they're not usually wearing the little shorts, and obviously right. Arrested Development is a joke show, and so yes. I'm not trying to take it too seriously. But I thought I'd mention that. And, and so, like, in that way, someone who really is completely uncomfortable with nudity or their body that does interfere with their relationships and that does interfere with um all kinds of things just their psychological well-being and things Mm -hmm. like that um but that again is not exactly what's captured here and is a Mm -hmm. small part of the ode to david cross and his past work yeah absolutely so that that was funny i guess Mm -hmm. and and that kind of the way that it plays into the episode is that any time that Rick and, and Morty are, are nude, they refuse to kind of watch them on these monitors. So that's the way Rick kind of gets about uh, being monitored mm-hmm. by them while he's in the simulation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny reference. It is. Uh, other things in this I episode... I find David Cross very funny, so I do too. To I think. Him. Yeah, I think he's, too. he's Have you good. ever seen him do stand-up? I've never seen any of his stand-up, no. He was here uh, maybe a year or two ago, okay. and so I did see him do some stand-up, which was pretty funny. But he's also got um, some of his comedy albums are, are humorous, but Tobias Fünke is the... Yeah. Part, the place I'm most familiar with his with his works. So. Oh yeah, such a funny character. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that's sort of related to mental health or maybe psychology in this one is uh, we see a few things from Jerry actually in this episode. So Jerry is also trapped in the simulation alone and not aware that he's in a simulation and sort of going about living his day-to-day life without recognizing some of the things that are happening around him that are very abnormal. So for example, he has to give a pitch at his work that day 
and his pitch isn't that good, and it's sort of a ripoff of the Get Milk mm-hmm. campaign. Is it? I can't even remember what it was. Is it We Love Apples or Do You Love Apples? It's something like that. Um, and he has some concern that the pitch is going to be kind of this ripoff of Got Milk, and that he's not going to be able to sell it. Um, so he goes and he gives this pitch, and because he is in a simulation. Uh, all of the other people in the simulation just continually they kind of all have one line generally so the people he's he's pitching this to just say oh yes so he he proceeds to interpret that from the simulation that they love his uh his his uh catchphrase for apples which is something like do you love apples um it's very interesting and uh but basically the mental health that we see from Jerry is that he he demonstrates some fear of public speaking, which is actually pretty common. Um, on the way to get hungry this... for apples, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm happy you looked it up so I can I can quit saying it wrong. <laughs> hungry for apples? Question mark. Uh, not a great catchphrase. And also, I don't like. Are apples having a hard time? I may be in the Rick and Morty universe. Don't they sell themselves? Although I do see people put kind of like try to jazz up the a- the apples with stuff like I don't know Star Wars, like Yoda pictures on their stuff. on the apples well not on <laughs> like a sticker or the bag that they come in that's pretty cool i wasn't familiar with this i have i have seen them from time to time <laughs> i like that um so he engages in some i mean he kind of a relaxation <laughs> right though it's kind of going. funny to even think about having to sell apples <laughs> like, although I, milk i guess well the there, there were for... some people that were i guess like there are some people who have concerns about the dairy industry, especially with all the... Although, I feel like the Got Milk stuff was predated, like, the easy access to things like soy milk, almond milk, and all these yeah. dairy alternatives, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm an almond milk drinker myself. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'm a soy milk drinker, so we're... Who's being targeted the by Got Milk animals? didn't work on me. <laughs> no. Um, anyways, so he's driving to work, he's worried about this, and he's trying to engage in some, like, relaxation techniques... Not any that I've ever used or or, or taught, <laughs> but basically he turns on the radio and it's because it's a simulation. It says like, now time for human music, and Jerry says like, oh human music, this is nice or something. It's weird. The whole episode's weird, but it's funny. It is, and I think he doesn't. It it the thing how it shifts between like him them liking mm-hmm. it and them not like yeah. and them thinking it's a rip off is kind of interesting, and it's kind of like profoundly sad that his that Beth is interested in him and but mm-hmm. it's like part of the simulation and she's yeah. not acting like herself like that right. that's really sad there's um one thing that kind of stood out to me is how much how he feels about himself is altered by like which side that's on mm-hmm. so it has nothing to do it's completely based on feedback from other people mm-hmm. and that's understandable i mean we're we're social beings but mm-hmm. um a self-help cognitive behavioral therapy book that i think is pretty good and has been evaluated basically in um to see if it's effective for depression by david burns has a whole chapter that's like your work is not your worth and mm-hmm. it's really interesting because it basically is trying to challenge the stuff that that jerry's experiencing which is if your worth is contingent based on like how that moment like your co-workers mm-hmm. are recognizing you or just that success then that's that puts you in a vulnerable mm-hmm. position for depression because you're not even in any line of work, you're not going to be constantly praised mm-hmm. and rewarded and some very little. Mm-hmm. So kind of makes you think about having, at least the suggestions are basically deriving your worth from other 
sources or from multiple sources so that if one area is going bad, you don't sink into mm-hmm. feeling horrible about yourself. Mm-hmm. What's cool about that self-help book, too, is mm-hmm. that there are, there are a lot of self-help books starting, first of all. Yes. Then there are a higher quality of self-help books that are based on empirically supported information. And then there are a few self-help books that themselves have been empirically yeah, tested. Yeah, that's the best. And that's that one. And that's mm. what's kind of cool about that book to me. Yeah. That's, that's In terms of like ranking self-help books, that's the highest tier, really. I agree. Mm. And I think I've mentioned this before on in some area, in some podcast. But um, since my father is, um, is a mental health professional, he had actually recommended that book to me, I think, when I was in college. And I remember reading it and being like, wow, this is really great and connecting with it. Since then, I've taught some of it as examples in classes with graduate students and stuff like that. And most really like it because mm-hmm. they feel like it's relatable and simple and to the point, but grounded in empirically supported mm-hmm. ideas and actually tested ideas. But I've had a few who don't like it, which is just, I mean, people like mm-hmm. different things, but it surprised me. They feel like it's, um, it doesn't speak to them, which hmm. is interesting because I feel like it's a very sensible thing. But obviously that's why it's good that we have different treatments, mm-hmm. especially for depression. And we have a mm-hmm. lot of different evidence-based treatments for depression mm-hmm. available, but yeah. So in some, Jerry, if you're listening, pick up uh, Brain Check Spark. it out. Yeah. It's very good. And you see kind of examples of this, like um, when you see... I don't know, famous people have the spotlight on them and they mess up in some way. I mm-hmm. don't know. I'm thinking of like singers who sing in a certain way and they're criticized for it. And, um, but they're able to maintain their general sense of their worth as a human mm-hmm. despite getting all of that. And I think that those examples can kind of resonate because people who are coping with depression may not realize that that's what's happening, mm-hmm. that they're, like, com- responding to those. Yeah, and it's probably something relatable just for all of us, just as people. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't always perform at our best, yeah. or we all make mistakes in some way or another, and mm-hmm. it's important that we don't base our real-time self-evaluation based on the immediate feedback we're getting in the environment. You follow, yeah. Jerry? That's our advice yep. for you. Cartoon it's, character. Yep, that's the only <laughs> people we'll give advice to on this show. It's cartoon characters. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Jerry, uh, he also has, it seems like not only that, but also the fear of public speaking, which is something, of course, that exposure and response prevention therapies would be very helpful yeah. for Jerry yeah. to go in and, and see a, a mental health professional to maybe get some of that stuff, because that's one thing that therapists are pretty good at treating, yes. is that kind of anxiety. And public speaking, of course, a pretty common thing that people very, report. Yeah. and. Depending on the severity, of course, if, you know, for Jerry, maybe it's not impacting his life. Um, uh, but for someone where maybe that's a, a major part of your career and maybe the anxiety that you feel regarding that would be very distressing, that would be something uh, therapists could very, you know, very handily help you with. Yeah, and usually it's pretty quick progress mm-hmm. if you'll engage in exposure exercises where you're basically giving speeches and or visualizing mm-hmm. it. And I've seen... Um, at least shows that have um, about new innovations looking at virtual reality mm-hmm. for making it look like there's an audience mm-hmm. there and people can habituate pretty quickly to that. Yeah. So just another thing. To, On average. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another thing to sort of tie in. Um, one part that's not related to mental health, but kind mm-hmm. of I thought was silly, like, I mean, well, the whole episode, but when uh, Rick is trying to convince simulation Morty that he is in a simulation and Morty keeps saying things like, well, no, that woman always walks a cat on a leash. <laughs> and you can see Rick getting like visibly frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then a Pop-Tart gets inside of a toaster <laughs> and drives away. And finally this Morty says, yeah, 
You know, that is weird. I don't know why a Pop-Tart would want to be in a toaster. That would seem like the last place a Pop-Tart would want to be. <laughs> and Rick's response to that was so funny to me because, like, no, like, that's so far besides the point yeah. that you're getting into the semantics of a Pop-Tart <laughs> driving a car. A Pop-Tart is driving, <laughs> like, a toaster. Like, that's the problem. So. I do like that technique of comedy, though, where, like, it's like you're not pointing out a bunch of the major ridiculous parts, mm-hmm. but it's like this one detail, and that's what you're choosing mm-hmm. to focus on. I mean, I, really I think funny. it just disrupts expectations. Mm-hmm. I also do like Pop-Tarts, as a side note. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty good. I like the fruity ones most. Yeah. yeah. Frosted or none? Uh, I prefer the frosted ones, generally. I like yeah. the frosted cherry ones the best myself. Yeah. <laughs> feel like i need to stop and uh get some pop tarts i do think they have them in that vending machine up there okay, i've they noticed totally do, yeah. <laughs> i've never gotten them out of there me though. either uh, another thing that i witnessed jerry experiencing that was kind of relatable for me is after he's reflecting on his success in selling this slogan are you hungry for apples or hungry for apples mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which actually is pretty derivative of got milk now that yeah. i consider it uh which is actually the conclusion he comes to and mm-hmm. says something like you know i'm a fraud and, oh, and yeah. i don't deserve all this and it reminded me of a little bit of imposter syndrome which i don't know if folks are familiar with this concept but basically it's the idea that any success that you have is simply due to luck and not actually deserved or based on skill or merit or anything like that and that one maybe isn't meant to be where they are uh, career-wise or academically or just whatever the context for an individual basis might be. And that reminded me a little bit of that experience. It's something that I know that I grappled with a bit during my time in graduate school, which makes it sound like I'm done with graduate school, but I'm not. Yeah, Yeah, I I think, you know, it's a common phenomenon, and I appreciate when um, it's depicted in fiction, but Mm -hmm. also kind of when famous, successful people talk about experiencing that. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because I I think, for an example, um, when when Jordan uh, Peele won Mm -hmm. for Get Out, he talked about how he quit writing the screenplay 20 times and, and then eventually wrote it, got an Oscar. And to me, like, I think that message is like even the best struggle mm-hmm. with these kinds of things. And he had already had a lot of success and mm-hmm. things like that. I did see someone kind of interpreting it. I think this was on Twitter as oh, like, boy. now you're just inspiring people who basically don't have the ability to write that well to think, Oh, I can write something that well. I'm like, that's not really how I view it. Like reading about, um, Felicia Day mm-hmm. talking about her struggle with writing the guild, but how she got through it anyway. It's not like I think, well, I've got a guild in me yet yeah. or something like that. But it's more like, oh, even the best or like um Ta-Nehisi Coates has talked about this with his writing. Um I haven't read him talking about specifically with regard to writing the Black Panther comics, but I have seen him talk about it in other things that he's mm-hmm. written articles and stuff. And to me it just says that like even the best experience that they're not immune and so mm-hmm. like you kind of can push through it and, and mm-hmm. it's inspiring in that way versus like I'm the best because they also <laughs> experience this with me. But anyway. Yeah, I think one of the most relatable example mm-hmm. uh, relatable examples for this and maybe relevant is our good uh, friend Marsha Linehan. Yeah. Which of course she doesn't know who I am, so it's a presumptuous of me to refer to her as a good friend. <laughs> but uh, we've talked about her on the Jedi Council mm-hmm. podcast, a creator of dialectical behavior therapy, which is uh, one of the frontline treatments, or the frontline treatment for people with borderline personality disorder. And, and you can learn a lot more about that looking her up or, or listening to Jedi Council. But basically some of the experiences that she's talked about 
uh, struggling not only with mental health, but also with graduate school and getting into graduate school and getting done with internship and finding yeah. an internship. She had to overcome a lot of hurdles. And was it wasn't just easy street for her. And, right. and she's incredibly successful and someone who I very much look up to professionally. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and has very... Uh, is a brilliant a clinician and a brilliant scientist. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. So I think it can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't feel the same inspiration with jerry <laughs> sorry jerry but but it did get me thinking about did, the idea he did start the discussion <laughs> good work jerry you, you've done well uh this episode actually has one of my favorite moments uh an interaction between rick and morty where they are collecting these little chip shards they're like microchips i think but they look like shards of glass and they're kind of uh, morty comes over and he's like oh i'm carrying so many i can't handle them and he spills a couple and Rick says, oh, that's okay. We've got plenty. And they kind of throw a couple at each other and actually have a pretty nice moment. And Rick says something to the effect of like, oh, it's nice to just take a minute and, and kind of horse around or something. And I remember when I first watched that because throughout the series, me, like many people, I wanted to like Rick. Mm -hmm. There's many reasons not to really care yeah. for him. And this was a redeeming moment where he actually had a positive interaction with Morty. And I was so disappointed that they took that away from me in that it was actually just simulation Morty. And so that wasn't actually a real interaction that no, he ended up that's having. that's what they'll do to you. You think you're going in one direction, go in the other, which is very consistent with M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, it is. that correctly, that hopefully. Um, so that that was a nice moment, but also a, a sad kind of moment for me um, in the end when that, that wasn't a real interaction. I'm sorry. That's okay. That is a downer. <laughs> and the last thing that I sort of wondered about, not related to mental health really, but mm -hmm. I can't tell if Rick knew all along that Morty was a simulation or not. Yeah. I don't think he did, but he ends up giving Morty not the real recipe for the uh, for the concentrated dark matter, so I don't know. Scientists aren't sure. <laughs> That's all I have to say about this episode. <laughs> well, but I think I think we covered a lot of ground. I You know, of speaking of... Um, I Well, I'll let you definitely give a summary of the next episode sure. if you don't mind doing that one but i do one of the nice things just connecting to the theme you just said is it does i think also give some opportunities to like rick or see why the family finds him useful as a scientist but mm -hmm. i'll let you summarize that sounds good so uh the next episode is one of the well almost every episode does this where there's two parallel storylines yeah. happening but this is a, a really clear example where rick and marty are doing something and then the rest of the family are doing something else uh, Rick and, well, it starts off with uh, a very sort of grotesque, traumatic adventure ending. And Morty basically says, no, you know what, Rick, I'm done. Uh, this is way too much for me to, to be handling all the time. And they make a bet, basically saying, uh, Morty's going to lead the next adventure if it's fun. Uh, they make some very irrelevant sort of do the laundry mm -hmm. or something else. But Morty's going to lead the next adventure. And somehow uh, Jerry needs a mayonnaise jar opened, and, and Rick gives him a Mr. Meeseeks box. And when you press the button, a little Meeseeks pops out and says, you can use this to open it. Don't bother us anymore. And Morty pushes them all out of the garage. And so Rick and Morty go on this adventure uh, that goes very awry, but Rick ends up feeling bad for Morty and kind of tries to wrap it up nicely. And then the other three all ask Mr. Meeseeks for something, and Rick says, please ask them for something simple. Summer asks to be more popular. Beth asks to be a more complete woman. And Jerry asks to, to help his golf game, which he says is going to be something simple and turns out not. That ends up being the one that yes. sends everything into chaos yes. and destruction. Yes, <laughs> in a major way. It does. 
Um, speaking of chaos and destruction, I this is a small bit, but that I I thought was really interesting. So we've talked about before how Rick displays symptoms of antisocial personality disorder and of psychopathy, mm-hmm. among other things. Um, so there's this part near the beginning where Rick is claiming the world is chaotic. He's telling that to Morty, and Morty says, "No, Rick, you're the chaotic one." And that actually, I think, really rings true to how some personality disorders, if Rick does have one, end up manifesting is that it's kind of like their worldview as they see things. It's it's And chaos, especially for people who have like antisocial personality disorder, because chaos tends to come along mm-hmm. with that. Um, and there's not seeing the link, which Morty is seeing the link. It's mm-hmm. actually you. You're creating this mm-hmm. chaos through your behaviors and your actions, but you're just thinking, oh, that's the way the world is. And mm-hmm. so you carry on that way because if the world is so chaotic, then that justifies you kind of acting all the ways that mm-hmm. you want to do. Not that Morty said all of that. So anyway, it's a simple thing, but I thought it was a nice demonstration of like the way that you get into Rick's worldview and how that probably influences his decision-making and his beliefs about the world. When from the outside, it's like, yeah, but you're the one who's actually creating all this chaos. You're the common thread in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was a good... I totally missed that line. So I'm happy you picked up on it because it's... a. It really captures the whole series, really, in a lot of ways. Um, and also, the I don't know if it's a diffusion of responsibility, but more of a deflection of responsibility for Rick in just saying, no, this is just the way it is, man, but no, that's not the way it is, right? Yeah, yeah so like that, that that's kind of fun. I had one other thought of, um, about Beth's request. So, as you said, she she's kind of talking to for me seeks about yeah. um, whether about basically having an unexpected pregnancy at 17 and how that shaped her life. Mm-hmm. And it was different than she thought. And then the me seeks says, you know, that um, being a mom or being part of a family doesn't mean you stop being an individual. And that does, I think, get at something that is psychologically relevant in terms of when people are changing roles, whether it's caretaker or becoming a parent, that's a big one, but there are others too. And getting that sense of when um, children or someone is dependent upon you and you have this new huge role that takes priority over other things, Mm -hmm. and how do you maintain, what does it mean to be a mom and to still be the person that you were before, especially maybe at that age when she was so young, when that mm-hmm. happened, you know? So I think, I thought that was kind of an interesting conversation that they had and it actually reminded me of this, I think it was a blog post, which I'm going to try to find and link to in the show notes because there is this, a woman who talked about how after having a child, she um, got and was trying to find her, like, what part is me and what part mm-hmm. of me is mom and stuff like that. And they blend together, but kind of had a renewed interest in comics and other nerdy stuff that she used to be into. And that was a way that she helped to kind of develop, you know, I'm, I'm a mom and that's really important, but I'm also myself and I do that through my interest. So I'll try to link to that because she talks a little bit about... Um, coping through with depression mm-hmm. and other things like that. And I, I, I think that that, again, you have like these little moments in this kind of silly show yeah. and weird show. And I thought that was, that's kind of one that seems more, I don't know, more serious than some of the other things that were going on and kind of tying back to what we we're talking about with Jerry basing his worth on his work. 
there is some research suggesting that for people, for example, Beth, who have their worth in many baskets, so, you know, maybe I'm a mom, I'm an employee, I'm a sister, I'm basically multiple roles of different ways, that that can be good for one's mental health. Mm -hmm. As long as they're balanced, you're not feeling overrun by all of them, but it means that you can kind of see yourself carrying different things. And if one thing's not going great in a certain area, you have other areas of your identity that you can kind of lean on. Yeah. It is a genuine moment, isn't mm-hmm. it? Kind of a little awkward when she leans in to kiss yeah, when well, he sees and he disappears. <laughs> well, you gotta but have that part. You don't want it to sustain right. any serious thing for more than one second. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually I, I like the comparison between that Mr. Meeseeks and then the one who helps Summer, who mm-hmm. organizes the whole school and gives like a formal speech about why being her friend would really be a benefit to your life, which is nice. Yes. And then the one who tries to help Jerry <laughs> with his golfing and kind of like just how outrageous that simple request is. I, I mean, it's just, I think that's a theme in the show too, is kind of the comparison. Well, obviously you're not a golfer. <laughs> I, I, it's very hard. I, uh, it is hard, yeah. I've only done very little. But maybe I was a only Cody Lebowski. I wasn't trying to make fun of you. Oh, right. <laughs> well, that, yeah. I'm not holding a bowling ball, so it's, <laughs> I, that's what I... That's a hilarious part of the Lebowski. Um, no, I lost my train of thought. I that's... quoted it wrong. I really threw you off track. No, that's okay. <laughs> but I do like the kind of comparison between how they asked for very abstract things, mm-hmm. but their Meeseeks were able to accomplish it pretty easily. And, and Jerry has something very measurable and tangible, and uh, it just can't be done. Isn't and that just the way, though, of Rick and Morty? No, it really is, though. It really is. Yeah, for sure. This um, constant, like, even things you might expect is like, no, that is the thing that is really just going to be yeah. the end of the Meeseeks mm-hmm. solution. Yeah, so, um, semi-relatedly, I, I do also love at the end of the episode when the whole house is destroyed because of the Meeseeks, and I think Rick says he has a flea-seeks box yeah. that could help, and it's just a, uh, it's just a mop, I think, in yeah. <laughs> some water or something, and I thought that was very funny, and also I think that's the first time that we see Rick uh display some self-awareness because yeah. he also says like i'll see you next episode yeah and bell says i i have no idea what's going on or something as he's mm-hmm. waving to the camera i thought that was very fun yeah too. yeah so a little bit of self-awareness there for mm-hmm. the character um i don't have a ton more for that episode though it was kind of that's a, all i had it was a kind of a speedy one uh there's a ton of stuff that happens in the sort of rick and morty side that's it's just too much to unpack for one episode, probably. <laughs> it, there is a lot that goes on in yes. terms of uh, uh, a murder and a, and a trial and a whole lot that happens yes. there. So, But overall, two more funny Rick and Morty episodes, uh, and I'm, I'm ready to just keep cruising through this, this oh, series. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts, Katie? I have no more closing thoughts. I guess we don't, not to take a crossover of the tradition from Jedi Council that we used to do, which is your Pearl of Wisdom segment, but yeah. if I had to boil this down to a couple main points, I mean, one is just more evidence of Rick's kind of personality that, like, the family's leaning on him for solutions to things because he's a scientist, but he kind of delegates those tasks because he is most concerned with his own enjoyment and his own adventures and kind of passes that on. And then the second thing is just, again, paying attention to where you get your worth and and kind of thinking about that in terms of, um, if you want relatively stable self-worth, working with a therapist or maybe checking out this book that we talked about to see the different things that contribute to who you are as a person Mm -hmm. rather than just relying on one thing. 
That was a very succinct and nice summary of the take-home points. I'm glad I could oh, help. That sounds good. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it off there, folks. Okay. We'll see you in a couple more weeks with the next couple episodes of Rick and Morty. And and I guess just like Rick, we'll we'll see you next episode. <laughs>